episode Loaded nine. Oh. Does he sit second, man? No, I don't I think he does. I think Kevin Keegan probably sits second. Oh, my God, what a <laughs> scandal. Austin Eckler versus the cards. Go and fuck yeah. the lot of you. <laughs> Austin Eckler. He's making me like I'm some sort of cameo. Like, I'm coming in and go, and out the bag, England to win. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Loaded Sport Now. In honour of the Super Bowl taking place this weekend, we're going to do things a little bit differently and kick things off this week with the NFL. Now, unfortunately, Sam was uh, listed as inactive earlier on today and therefore won't be available for today's show. But we still have four blokes whose knowledge and insight is unparalleled elsewhere. Firstly, Got some England... fucking guests, bro. Sell the dream. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you take it from here. Shut up, man. <laughs> How are you doing, Skin? You all right? Yes, mate. Are you? I was. I was I was all right until just then. I was doing... <sighs> Anything. Any bloody reason to be miserable, you. Um, yes, mate. I'm very excited. I've got a nice rum just to take the uh, take the edge mm-hmm. off of a, a busy day and a busy week. But what's keeping me going is the fact that we are fast approaching the single best Sunday of all the 52 Sundays yes. in the year. So I cannot wait, mate. Great news. Uh, joining us also is Kempi. You all right? Mr. Dawson, man with the mic. How are we doing, chaps? You okay? Oh, he's not done. Oh, suspense. It's too time consuming. Must gotta wait, gotta wait, gotta wait for the, the boys. You gotta wait for, uh, gotta wait for Aggie to, to unveil, unveil the special studied. guest we've got with us today. That's well, it. if the intro is anything to go by, it's going to be a massive disappointment, so don't sell yourself quickly. Uh, join us to Thank do... <laughs> Pun? <laughs> go on. <laughs> There we go. He's kind of introducing himself. Um, to take part in the listener locking, but also talk to us about the NFL and the build-up to the Super Bowl. And he's also coming on Kempi's Combat Corner, baby. The fucking debut. Kempi's Combat Corner. Back. <clears throat> How are we doing, Tina? You all right? Sorry, mate. I coughed and I didn't fucking hear it. Yeah, I'm good. I am. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to uh, the Super Bowl? Mate, I am ecstatic. I haven't been involved in one for a long, long time. But yeah, I look forward to it every single year. Excellent news. Without fail. Great news. Uh, joining us also is one of the founding members of Loaded Sport. I'm going to ask him first of all how he's looking forward to this weekend because I know he's going to be excited. Mudge, welcome back. This weekend, the NFC champions will <laughs> fucking win the Super Bowl. Let's go, Eagles! Good night, everybody! <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly, bitch! Patrick Bumholmes is going home. <laughs> you, you never see these sorts of like pride before a fall type situations, do you? So, it's, it's You're nice definitely to not going to be coming back on Thursday next week. Tell between legs. Bloody, bloody scrape past the New York Giants, but skin of the teeth, and now he thinks they're going to win Super Bowl. <laughs> if you're talking skin of the teeth, it must be a fucking cat tooth, mate. We were owned, but we were owned by in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we could have given him a better game, to be honest. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, from the number one. Pick. I think I was just. I was really knackered from the sensational stag do we had that ended at 9pm. Oh, that save it. Save it, <laughs> save it also, for the, uh, the year, end of year review. Kempi, do you say, do you say it's called Kempi's Combat Sport? Kempi's Combat, combat Corner, Corner baby. Right. Kempi's combat I'm not going to lie, mate. I heard something a bit different. I thought it was Kempi's Combat Corner. <laughs> oh, well. That's, yeah. uh, that's after the watershed. That's, that's, yeah. yeah, we're not quite there just yet. Not quite. Yeah. Any, anyway, Aggie, what? Uh, how do you want to? How do you want to go down the uh, the route of previewing the the best game in sport? 
Well, I think we've got to start with Mudge, haven't we? The Eagles are in the Super Bowl. I know you've told us that you you think the Eagles or you know the Eagles are going to go ahead and win the Super Bowl. What, for you, is it that stands out that, that makes you so confident that you're going to get one over on the Chiefs? Firstly, I want to um, shout out my best friend, Liam Godber, for hosting it every year. His team have never made it, but my team <laughs> have made it twice. Ever. So he's just got to sit there and watch my team perform in the Super Bowl when his team has never done it. Yeah. Um, now, his lovely wife, Carly, is also a Giants fan. Her team has never made it, but they've got... In the, to in the den, there. in the den. And yeah. We don't need anyone it. listening going... You it twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've yeah. never made it while we've been watching it in the We're den. We're talking den era, Kemp, mate. Oh, We're not okay. talking den about era, 40 mate. years ago, yeah. mate. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. I've um, been reading loads of articles in regards to how it will go. It doesn't matter because, like, at the end of the day, it's a Super Bowl. Any given Sunday... Yes. Um, I've been looking at it from a from a team by team segment. So I've been looking at it from quarterback Chiefs win. Mahomes is the better quarterback than Jalen Hurts uh, as of right now. Um, the O line, I think that's where we will dominate the game. Hopefully, with keeping Hurts clean, um, dominating with the the run game. Uh, I think our O line is probably the best in the NFL this season. Um, wide receivers, we win. Uh, Miko Hardman's out for the Chiefs, who's obviously a big weapon. A big deep threat. Um, I think they'll have MVS. So um, Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's obviously a good talent, but you know we've got Darius Slay, Bradbury there. I think um, you know we we've got a good chance of keeping him quiet. So yeah, wide receivers we will win. Running back at edge towards us. Sanders has had a really good season this year. Um, And looking at defensive bits, I'd I'd say D line again goes to us because we've had most sacks this, this season in the NFL. Basically, what I'm trying to say is it's written in the stars for us, to be honest, because our team is pretty loaded. But then at the same time, they've got Travis Kelsey and Mahomes who just create magic when they're on the field. So I will be very nervous. I'm not going to enjoy it. Tina's going to probably make me do a shot of Jaeger to calm my nerves. But um, Maybe half a bottle. Yeah, well, I don't want to black out. I want to watch the game. (laughs) Just um, Um, something that you said there, much to give you some credit. Last year, you mentioned Jalen Hurts having the potential to become one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the in the league. You know, built there with your with your Josh Allen's, and he's proved that this season. You know, you were absolutely right in that prediction with the performance that he's got. He's led that team, and now they're going into the Super Bowl. Tina, obviously, this is the first time that you're joining us and we asked you to not only do the lock-in this week, but also yep. join us for the Super Bowl preview. Yep. Justin Fields has got a lot of those sort of... Uh, um, I can't think of the word I'm looking Trait. for, but that's... Quality, yeah, traits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, traits, qualities that, that Jalen Hurts has. Is he? Yep. Can you see him? Obviously, he needs the pieces around him that Jalen Hurts yep. has got, and Philly have done brilliantly well in their off-season and their drafts to give him that full squad, but... Yeah. Do you think Justin Fields has the capability? Because what he's done this season, I'll be honest, from a from neutral perspective for both teams, I don't think he's far off of what Hertz has done in previous seasons, where a lot of people no. have thought, oh, is he the guy? And and Mudge quite rightly backed him to say he's going to be one of the best dual threats, and he's proved that this season. Can you yeah. see a similar thing with, with Fields? 100%. Um, at the start of the season, obviously, I gave him a lot of criticism. But as the season wore on, he, he just improved. I know his passing stats don't look overly impressive from the outside looking in, but the the receivers he's, he's passing to, basically practice squad guys. The O line was patchwork at best, and he he carried our offense to well an unbelievable stretch, and we had like 
four or five weeks on the road, we were scoring like nearly 40, 30 points a game. And that was against top top tier like opposition as well. When we narrowly lost a few of them, but yeah, hundred percent. I think he's got the talent. Um, he's got the mental capability. His pocket awareness improved massively. We just need to do our bit now in surrounding him with the talent. If he doesn't pan out then, then fair enough. But I'm confident he would. But he's shown us enough to, to back him. So I think let's go out there, let's build him an O-line, let's get him a couple of good receivers, you know, keep going with that run game that we've got, keep him uh, keep keep him on his feet. And yeah, absolutely, I, I think he'll, uh, he'll be right up there. We might be talking about Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl this week. We might be talking about Justin Fields in the Super Bowl going forward. We will see. But we will. we'll stick, stay with you, team, just for now. And, and what do you think is going to go down this weekend? Who can you see from a neutral perspective coming out with the uh, with the Vince Lombardi trophy when it's all said and done? I, w- I want the Eagles to win it. I do. I just think I'm a big believer of football being one in the trenches. I think the Eagles do edge it on both lines. But I do yeah, think the I Chiefs... I think the Chiefs hold their own enough to make it competitive. Um, the only thing I think that the Chiefs do edge at this minute is that they've been there before. You know, they've both won and lost yeah. and they've got the experience of, of the big game and that may just tilt it. You know, the, they've shown um, with Jet Chip Wasp, you know, being able to come back um, in the dying minutes of a game and being able to pull something out of nowhere. They might be in a similar position this week. So I think we'll have a high scoring game. I want the Eagles to edge it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I think they'll edge it a high scoring game. Go with his heart. Go with his heart. Yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. I tell you what, Mudge. If I could pick one player, one single player to come out of this weekend with a ring, it would have to be Jordan Mailata for me because yeah, what a what a story to to come in. Obviously, he had a he had a rugby background from New Zealand. Uh, sorry, Australia, should I say? Um, and he's he's an absolute beast. He's he's playing in what is possibly the hardest position to play in in the offensive line at left tackle. He didn't start in that. You know, he's transitioned into that position, and he's he's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, what a find in the seventh round. But also from his perspective, what are your thoughts on on what he's done and, and how he's really he's starting to progress into one of the most reliable left tackles in the league? I think. I'm I'm in love with him. I think this will um, put a stat into it. I think he's only allowed five pressures, not even a sack, if I'm correct, in about hundred odd snaps. Like he has a he has quite a decent streak going. It's not Lane Johnson esque, who's obviously not allowed a sack for maybe three years. Uh, he's had a, 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 a he's tore his groin as well, and he's still playing. So still we have some absolute dogs there, and I think. The fair play to Mylata, he obviously came through the international program. Um, he got paid a fairly medium amount of money for a, a, an O-line. But um, when he went up against Bosa, there's videos of him just holding his own. And it, you know what? It's very difficult for a rugby player to transition into the NFL because I think a lot of the neutrals who don't watch the NFL just assume because of their size, they can make it. To be an O-lineman, to be an elite O-lineman, a lot of it comes down to skills with your hands you know you know locking in and technique and your footwork and he's managed to lock the, that the footwork down, so. is yeah d- massively underrated for me um yeah. you don't realize to be 24 stone and and move around like like a lightweight boxer almost yeah. it's, it's impressive yeah. we just went to a few years ago tina we went to that sort of nfl q a type thing in in leicester didn't we and i don't Martin, Craig. yep 
Yeah, um, and Martin Johnson, the ex uh, England rugby union captain, World Cup winning captain, was part of the guest lineup, which I know is a little bit random, but he's played both sports. Yep. And he said that, and one of the reasons why he was sort of a part of that, and one of the reasons that he loved American football was that he said, look, despite playing both the sports, American football, in terms of the technique, in terms of the toll it takes on your body, is so much tougher than rugby. Yeah. And I think, like you were mentioning there, like much with what a lot of people don't realise with that transition, we've seen rugby players go into NFL in different positions across the pitch, and they haven't been able to make that transition. You know, someone like Martin Johnson, yeah. who's won the World Cup at the highest level for his country, yeah. has said this sport is so much harder to get right. Is a is a huge testament to the to the work that Mylata and the transition that he's made to be uh, probably top ten, yeah, top seven left tackle yeah. this season. Yeah, I, I think um, a lot of it comes down to again not disrespecting rugby. I'm coming off as a massive rugby hater over here. I'm not. I love it sort of, um, <laughs> but a lot of it comes down to I think rugby's quite linear in the way that you attack. It's a gradual progression down the field. I yeah, think it's a war with, of attrition, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I think with the NFL, <sighs> it comes down to a lot of skill sets being used in different situations. So your run blocking, your technique's different. Pass blocking, it's different. On a screen, as an O-lineman, you've got to, you know, you have to time it perfectly to make sure yeah. you block correctly and not get a hold. Like, there are so many little factors that go into it. It's a tactical game. It's a much more tactical game, in my opinion, and... If you're an elite player at and like a position in that sport, that means you can pretty much do everything required from that position uh, to to the best of your ability. I think you're completely right. I mean, it's not only that; even with the coaching, that coach has got to call the right concept for the right situation ninety five percent of the time. Otherwise, you lose the game. Yeah, I agree. You know, so from top down, it, yeah, I completely agree with you. So much yeah. more um, tactical. It's like chess. In terms of your chess, it ain't checkers. <laughs> That's it. Adam, <laughs> Aggie, a question for you, mate, because heading into this Super Bowl, there are there are two players that you've backed quite a lot in terms of the locks and you've bigged up and have really helped you get some kind of success on and the locks in the NFL anyway. They're not so much the football, but we'll save that for later. Um Jarek McKinnon for the Chiefs and Miles Sanders for the uh, for the Eagles. In terms of the ground games going into this weekend, who do you think has the advantage? I think um, the Eagles have the advantage. I think their defensive line is so much stronger. Um, I also think with Miles Sanders, I think he's a much better running back than what the Chiefs have to offer. I know Pacheco's kind of come out a little bit and, and performed better than what a lot of people would have expected. And you could probably say the same for McKinnon, but he's more of a receiving back as, as they've used him for. And as I've figured out from my locks being wrong more often than not, that usage has become more and more minimal towards the playoffs in the latter stages. So I think the Eagles, on both sides, to be fair, they've got the better running back, but they've also got the stronger uh, defensive line as well. From that answer, it sounds like Jeremy McKinnon has uh, deleted your nudes then. Like he's allowing you to make a, <laughs> yeah, mate, an actual... Yeah, we've called it even there now. We're done yeah, with Yeah, fair, that. because you've been backing that boy like he's got some serious intel on you, mate, over these last few months. Well, <laughs> not helped me out, though, has he? <laughs> I, I was going to say at the, at the end of this uh, segment, we'll all predict who we think will win by how many points and a touchdown scorer. Okay. So you know that, that uh, Aggie's still going to back McKinnon, don't you? But we'll save it. We'll save it as always. Yeah. Or, uh, McKinnon and back up Tuba Hubbard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's been it's been picked up somehow um, <laughs> earlier today. Uh, Kemp, you're a big fan of the drip. You're a big fan of the swag, and you love a podcast and you love a story. Mm. Kelsey brothers. 
are becoming the first brothers to ever face off in a uh, in a uh, Super Bowl in history. Mm. Mm. They've both got swag for very different reasons, depending on your taste and your preferences. But uh, Jason and Travis both have a ring each already. Who do you think will uh, will end the weekend as the Kelsey brother with more than one ring? I would love nothing more than to back my boy Mudge and say that the Eagles are going to win their their second Den Super Bowl. Let's say um, we were all we were both there for the, the the first one, and I think me and Mudge were rolling around on the floor <laughs> when, when they won the the game. No, that was that wasn't because the of the end. football, yeah. that mate. That <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. That was just, just, and we and, that. Yeah, and then we looked up and then so just avoiding me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'd love nothing more than to recreate that moment. Maybe apart from Tina's escapades, but uh, I, I honestly think that that Travis Kelsey will uh, will be the happier Kelsey at the end of the weekend, at the end of the festivities. Um, he's been an unstoppable force, it seems, this season, and the amount of times I've looked at him for my lock in terms of my scorer for the week, and he's he's done me uh, he's done me well a few times when I have. Um, He's, he's he's a generational talent. I'm not saying that Jason isn't. He's a fantastic player as well, of course. But I think the position that Travis plays is it's much more of an impact position. It gets a lot more credit and it gets a lot more eyes on it. You know, you, you probably name more famous tight ends than you can name centers in the NFL, probably in in terms yeah. of the history. Um, but but yeah, I mean, even so, I, I think uh, I think Travis is going to come away with with the win, and unfortunately for Mudge, uh, the, the ring as well. So I've got a quick question for everybody though before we do move on, because it was going to be. Or, or I was going to try and throw it in at the end, but it seems as though Dawson's got a more sensible one, so we're, we're <laughs> going to go with that one. It's not a ridiculous one, but it's always a nice something to predict and something that a lot of people drop a lot of money on. Um, the Americans, they like a bet sometimes, and they like a bet on the on the strangest things. And one of the things on Super Bowl weekend is when a team looks like it's you know, nearly won or they've just won, the players tend to get a big bucket of Gatorade, which yep. is mm-hmm. obviously the sponsor of the game, and they'll pour it all over the head to celebrate uh, oh, to celebrate sucks. the win. So I'm going to go around the group. I'm going to go around the group, and I'm going to ask everybody to predict what colour they think the Gatorade Ooh. will be that is poured over the winning coach. Tina, I'll start with you. I am going to go for blue. Blue. Tina's gone for blue. Okay, nice. Dawson, bit of blue see, for that. Yeah. See, you've got a. You've got a predict which team you think will win and then what colour you think they'll go. So I've got a colour in mind for each team. Okay. But but Pick I don't want to spoil who I think will mm. win by well, the colour. Well, so I'm gonna go Well why don't you just say why don't you just say what your colour is for yeah, both just, teams? Well okay. Colour <laughs> is blue for Eagles, orange for Chiefs. But okay. I'll uh, I'll save for when we get to the end for who I think break will break it down. Uh, Break it down. Break break down why you've got the colour for each when you I do don't know. I'm just, I, well. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking I'm thinking unis, I'm thinking do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's fine. No, I get that. Adam, I'm 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 assuming you're gonna go for some sort of beige colour. <laughs> no, mate, I'm going orange. Always you're orange. Going orange. Going orange. Okay. Yeah. A very okay. dull orange. Yes. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost you... beige in colour. Yeah. <laughs> Just plain water. <laughs> Here, here is an interesting one for you. Yellow slash green is two to one. Favourite. Interesting. Wow. Mudge, don't let that cloud your judgment. Who are you going with? What, what colour are you going with and why? To be honest, mate, 
I just want to. What's your problem? Like you invite me on to loaded sport again, and you choose the Chiefs. Um, like, <laughs> I, mate, what's going on there? Uh, I'll 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 break it down in more detail when we decide Fine. our score. Well, I, our, I'm, our I'm looking forward to that, mate, because yeah, mm. I'm uh, that's that's dampened my spirit. Nah, I'm going clear with Gatorade. <laughs> by the way, you're going clear. We'll be clear. clear. Ooh. Yeah, I think we'll be fifteen clear. to two outsider. You know why? Good Scientologist Mudge is going clear. I think because <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. This will sound really theory, like really conspiracy theory, but. Obesity levels in America are at an all-time high. And I think they're going to try and promote the low-sugar Gatorade. So you think, I think they're going to, go going to try and use Andy Reid as an anti-obesity <laughs> mascot? <laughs> yeah, we should, we should be talking. Yeah, we, yeah. Should, we shouldn't be talking about color Gatorade. We should be talking yeah. about what hamburger is Andy Reid going to have if they win. Look, just chill um... the Gatorade. I mean, it's just fucking Wendy's wrappers just pour out. <laughs> just big gulps from Seven Eleven. Yeah, I, I think they're definitely going to go clear. Um, in counter to Kemp's um, question, I assume everyone's answered. They are taking bets on what the first Rihanna song is going to be. Now I've stop got the music. Yeah, well, look, hear me out. Um, Irony. There is a lad. There is a lad at work who claims that he has a friend that is a backup dancer for Rihanna this weekend, and Uh-oh. he has given a tip. Right. Oh. He has given a tip for the first song to be "Bitch Better Have My Money." <laughs> no. Yeah, and he's he's given an honourable mention to "Don't Stop the Music." Skin. So it's happening, mate. This is a fucking fixed tennis game again. This. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, if we're ready to lose money, then we know what to bet on. So, um, put, put put your mortgage on. Please don't stop the music. That is, yeah. is going to be the one. I'm telling you now. Yeah. So, uh, record. I can't course, find the market, which is unusual. On Sky uh, Sky Bet, I think they said. Uh, I'll I'll send the screenshot in afterwards, but. Yeah, an interesting shout. Some random lad from London has got the inside knowledge on what's going to take place in Arizona uh, this Even Sunday. Knows, so. yeah. In, uh, interestingly, better have my money is uh, evens and don't stop music. Six to wow. Four. Oh, hey. in clutch. It's been absolutely hammered in. Ask him for his uh, lottery numbers, quick. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get what's closing the set? That might be a bit bit more the, value. But uh, the last song is uh, Diamonds. Yeah, eleven to eight on. Yeah, someone definitely. Someone's been watching some sound checks and stuff, haven't they? But uh, yeah, some there's always links somewhere. Tina, you're very Yo. much a, a big va- fan of the the strategy and the tactics and, and what happens yes. off the pitch is as important as what happens on the pitch. We spoke yeah, because a lot about... our on-field product is fucking depressing. So yeah, yeah so so you've had to focus on what's happening off the field that's causing <laughs> that. But um, we've we've spoken about difference makers on the pitch and and where the matchup can be won. But Andy yeah. Reid. We all know his career and what he's done. And uh, Nick Sirianni in his first Super Bowl, having a fantastic season, did coach in several different positions for the Chiefs, but never yep. under Andy Reid. He was at Chiefs 2009 to 2012. And then Reid came in the season that he left in 2013. So they, they've never worked together. But do you think that Chiefs have a massive advantage with having Andy Reid on the sideline? And do you think that Nick Sirianni has what it takes to step up to that spotlight in the biggest game of them all? A massive advantage, I think, is airing on disrespect, Sirianni. I think he's done a fantastic job with Chiefs. He's been a great hire. 
I really do. But saying that, it's Andy Reid. You know, he's won a Super Bowl. He's got an excellent record, excellent reputation, bit of an offensive genius. So I do think they've got an advantage. I do. But he's got, Sirianni's definitely got enough in the locker, mate, to, to pull it out of the back. I mean, this uh, this Eagles team weren't particularly great a year ago. He's turned it around. Interesting. I know both teams have scored the same amount of points this season, which is really fucking weird. But um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting coaching battle. I think that's one area where um, you have to give the the edge to the Chiefs. But it's not a massive chasm. I mean, you've got Eric Bieniemy, you've got Steve Spagnuolo, um, another coordinators for the Eagles, Gannon and, and Steve, relatively inexperienced compared to those two. So. Um, yeah, I would will, I will give the edge to the Chiefs on those. Fair one, fair one. So, I suppose, unless, Aggie, you've got any more subjects or questions you want to cover? No, mate, let's go for it. Okay, so we will go with team you think will win, the points difference in which you think they will win, a touchdown scorer prediction, and a bold prediction for the game as a whole. Okay, so, Kemp, we'll start with you, mate. Ooh, putting me under pressure now for that bold prediction pick. I've pretty much got everything oh, else sorted. I, I want I want to save uh, Mudge till the end of okay. the season. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I am going to a bookend, um, maybe a controversial take in, in Mudge's eyes, and I apologise already, but I have said in previous comments that I think the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl this season. And don't, <coughs> Tina, <laughs> Tina, did you, you slightly touched on it there. I think I think in the end it will come down to experience. Um, these games, it's, it's the brightest, brightest lights. You know, it doesn't get any bigger than this. Mahomes has been there before many, many times already, and he's not even that old. Um Andy Reid, been there before. He knows what to do in these high-pressure situations. I think it will be a close game. I think it will be a tight game. Um, but I think that experience in those big games, you can do stuff in regular season games that you can't do in the Super Bowl. The yep. stuff that you just can't get away with. So I think that's where it will come down. I think they're very, very even in terms of the the on-field personnel. Mudge, you made an excellent point at the at the top of the the segment, saying you know position by position they're probably fifty fifty in terms of where the Eagles are stronger and where the Chiefs are stronger. But ultimately, I think that X factor in the end does come down to that experience and the fact that the Chiefs have been there before and they've won and they've lost and they know what it takes to win that game. So I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to win. I am going to go again. It's going to be a close game. I think they'll win by three. I think it will be that close. I think it will be that close. And I've just backed him, so I'm going to back him again. I've backed him a few times this season. I think Travis Kelsey will be the anytime touchdown scorer. My bold prediction, and again, this is something that I am struggling a little bit with because, yeah, it's it's a tough one, especially when it's just about one game. But I don't think, I don't agree with Tina that it will be a high-scoring affair. I think it will be nip and tuck, and I think it will be tight. So mm-hmm. I think overall, in terms of overall match game points, and you can decide whether you think this is a bold prediction or not, but no more than 35 points by both teams the entire game. <sighs> yeah. If that's not bold enough, then no, I'll I, I, I think that's fairly bold, high-powered offences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just think, like I say, you can't get away with taking risks that you can in maybe a regular season game. So I think it'll be a, a lot more reserved than 
than a lot of people think. Do I think it'll be less than 35 points? No, but it's a bold prediction. Uh, but I don't think it'll be as high as people are possibly predicting. So there you go. Fair enough. Aggie, what about you, mate? Um, I'm going with Eagles to win um, by six. I think looking all over, like what Mudge said at the very beginning, the Chiefs do have the better quarterback, but I think looking across both uh, both teams, the Eagles are the stronger side, um, and I think they're going to have more than enough to, to beat the Chiefs. I think AJ Brown's going to be the anytime touchdown scorer for me. I know I normally go for Jerick McKinnon, so you can now bank on Jerry Mc- Jerick McKinnon to score a touchdown. Um, and my bold prediction is that the first score um, in the entirety of the game will be scored by a defensive player. Nice. Why is he on the show? <laughs> is that not a bold prediction? It's bad, isn't it? No, no, it's fine, mate. It's fine. It's, it's fine, mate. Uh, yeah, it's... Tina, what about you, mate? So I'm going to stick with prediction early, so I'm going to go with Eagles. I think they win by a field goal. I I think Boston Scott might score. Oh, okay. Which is That's a, a bit, great shout. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Super Bowls is you do tend to get these like odd fucking obscure scorers that don't really produce that much the rest of the season. I think Boston Scott might just get uh, might just get a look in. Now I've had a look at um, at the teams the the both uh, both the points both teams have scored and, and conceded throughout the season. And the average um, points per game is 49. So I think they're going to exceed that. And I think they might end up the highest scoring Super Bowl ever. That'd be, my bold, that'd be my bold production. Now, wow. the, like pre- the previous Eagles Super Bowl was is in second place with 74. Wow. And the current top scorer is 75 points from when the 49ers beat the Chargers 49-26 in Super Bowl 29. So I'm hoping we get something like a 30, well, whatever, 43, 40, something like that. I think it could go catastrophically high. <laughs> That's fair. Two high-powered high offences. I know both have got good defences, but I think I think the offences win the day. That's fair. Now, I'm, every year I'm, I'm relatively confident in terms of who I feel will win this, and this year I'm... Every time I think about it, I'm changing my mind. Even now, while you lads have been talking, I'm, I'm still not 100% sure who I'm going to go with. So, push has come to shove. So, I am going to predict. Um, and I am going to say that uh, Chiefs win. And Mudge, I'm so sorry because I want Eagles to win. But Chiefs win by 10. I'm going to go for an AJ Brown touchdown for the Eagles. And my bold prediction is that need, neither Mahomes nor Hurts lift the MVP trophy at the end of the game. I'm thinking of Travis Kelsey MVP. but uh, one, um, one thing I think we can say is he's shaping up to be the most competitive Super Bowl we've had for a while. Yeah, then, and that's why I'm, I've struggled razor so Razor thin, and I think it's going to be fucking brilliant. I'll make, uh, a point, I'll make a point to your prediction, Skin. If Travis Kelsey obviously balls out, I know for a fact the media, everyone is going to heap that on Mahomes more than they will Kelsey. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's the thing. Now, Mudge, obviously, yeah. before we get into to your your predictions, because you are the main event being an Eagles fan, lads, you know Thank what you. I'm like for surprises. You know what I'm like for fucking... The, I live for the pop. 
So before we get your terribly impulsive, um, yes, mate, terribly. <laughs> before we get your prediction, Mudge, there's one man's prediction that we've got to get on the loaded sport Super Bowl preview. Sam, how are you, mate? Oh, baby. nah, 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 nah! Don't oh, invite the baby. Cur- I know it's his show, but don't invite the curse on here, mate. Like, I- I- that man has right. that man has tribal duty running through his veins. Honestly, unfortunately, boys, the Grim Reaper has come. <laughs> yes, he's so- back. For the what Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, so, no, Mudge, no. before we close off with your predictions, Sam, your prediction, your score deficit, your touchdown scorer, and your bold prediction for the Super Bowl. Death has come for the Eagles as I swoop in and back the Philadelphia Eagles yeah! to beat <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs by 10 with... Sanders bagging a rushing touchdown. Thank somebody, you very much. somebody get in touch with Cat and tell them not to let him fling himself off the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! Have you uh, have you got a bold prediction for bold the uh, prediction. for the game, Sam? Bold prediction is for Nick Sirianni to slip over when he gets his Gatorade <laughs> bath. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. What colour do you think his Gatorade bath will be, Sam? Oh, yeah, we need that in there. I'm going to go clear, boring. It's been clear. Oh, that's 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 the third one. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people thinking clear. I don't think in beige. Beige? Yeah, it's explained why. I went orange, but... (laughs) It's good to have you here, Sam, for the main event, which is Mudge's hopefully impartial predictions for the game on Sunday. Can, can I give some context as to why, to the viewers, why I'm absolutely gutted that Sam White has of course, vocally... Um, I was once... I've seen Sam White give directions to a kid to cross the road. It was the zebra crossing. He said, go on, lad, you're safe. The kid crossed the road. He got hit by a lorry. Like, this is the <laughs> kind of... This is the kind of juju we're dealing with here. Like, it's just... Oh, the amount of times... Oh, all right. He is part voodoo, Doctor, isn't he? Mate, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything like it. But thank you for coming on, mate. I I genuinely appreciate it. I know it's done out of love. Um, I'd see you in time. I'd see you. Um, it's so, not done out of love, mate. He just wanted to take Eagles win. Just <laughs> fuck with you. <laughs> we're, we're all at a wedding. Yeah, it don't matter to be honest. The, the weekend's going to be off to a terrible start with a wedding anyway. Yeah, yeah, right. At least you've got the wedding to look forward to. Yeah, much will be yeah, sat in really. corner just thinking about the fact Sam said Eagles. Everyone's wondering what's <laughs> up with him. Hello, Bobby darkness, my old friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um, okay, so I think the Eagles will win. 10 was the number I had in mind as well, so I'm a bit worried about that now. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with um, the Eagles win by uh, nine. I'm gonna go a bit off the radar, off the off the record here. I think in terms of who bags, I'm gonna go Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown. Hmm. Um, and I think in regards to so, what is it you asked? Were you asked for score? You asked for how much? By how many touchdown and yeah. um, bowl prediction? prediction. Yeah. I think the bowl prediction is um, Rihanna has a nip slip and we see a bit of boob. McCamber Ope. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, I think uh, Rihanna's going to wear something really um, like. Risque. Well, it took us yeah, twenty nine episodes, but we're finally getting cancelled. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, because um, obviously, Super Bowl's a big show. Like, it could be something a bit out there. 
yeah, I mean, no, you, do you know what I mean? She's going to be, she's going to be going out, out. So, and Rihanna is a, a beautiful woman, like, you know, flaunt what you got, girl. Um, but I think she might flaunt a bit too much on national TV. So, um, yeah, I think the Eagles win by nine. Uh, Jalen Hurts rushing touchdown and nip slip. What do you think, in my opinion, that Rihanna is just a fucking beat at Beyonce? Do you know what? I'll, over the years, I used to, I used to follow the Beyonce hype but I have to say I'm more of a Rihanna fan than I am Beyonce I think Rihanna is much more genuine and I think uh, so is uh, Jay-Z by all accounts <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will, I will I would like to add a an additional <laughs> note I, I've heard a lot of this experience experience I think it literally doesn't matter for anything when it comes to the Super Bowl because it's the biggest game of the season I think whoever wins it is going to be the bravest person. Like Doug Peterson going for it on fourth down with the Philly special was a prime example against yeah. Belichick and Brady. I think Sirianni is made of the right stuff. And, and um, Reed is phenomenal at just scheming Kelsey and all of his other players open. So there's going to be a worry about that. But uh, I think if we're in that, if we're in the Super Bowl, I think Sirianni is going to go full guns blazing. He always goes down for it on fourth and short. Um, so, it's going to be stressful. Uh, it's even more stressful now that Sam's made a prediction. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll I'll see you boys on uh, on Saturday and then Sunday. That's come for the second brother. <laughs> I, I do agree to an extent, but I just I think if you've been in that situation before, that fucking pressure cooker situation, you, yeah. you're going to know what to expect. You're going to know what to deal with. I'm not saying the Eagles won't deal with it, but it could be a factor. I I would agree if Mahomes was unbeaten in the Super Bowl, but we saw him get absolutely demolished by that Bucks oh. D-line. <laughs> As um, we fucking discussed earlier, his passer rating in the Super Bowl is worse than Rex yeah. Grossman's. And that yeah. boy was a bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to watch him, mate, and unfortunately it was you. It was so me. No <laughs> of course it was me. Yeah. It was fucking me. Staying up at four o'clock in the morning watching him piss away another chance. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Appreciate you uh, taking one for the team. But look, lads, we, we, we say it's the best Sunday of the year and that's for a lot of people. But I tell you what, playing American football on Sunday, like we always do every year for it, oh. get, getting a nap in, getting a rest, then all getting in the den, cuddled up in his comfies, having some snacks, having a big order and watching it all unfold. I, I can't wait to see you, lads, and I can't wait to see what happens. Because like you said, Tina, it's, it's razor thin on, on what way it could go this year and it should be an absolute cracker. So I, for one, can't wait. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll I, see what happens and we'll try and review it come uh, early next week. I, I want to add one final thing. It's unbelievable watching the Super Bowl with you boys in the den, but nothing beats watching. Um, obviously, we play with um, quite a special case called George Dislins. Nothing beats watching him <laughs> drop every ball thrown at him on a Sunday morning. So uh, I agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, Adam's uh, Adam's licking his lips at uh, the thought of lining up uh, opposite him uh, on Sunday, but we'll see what happens. We'll have to record some stats. But yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's the preview for the biggest game in sport, bigger than the World Cup. And I don't care if you don't like it, come at me, don't at me. Don't uh-huh. give a shit. But uh, we'll be back shortly for what is the debut edition of Kempe's Combat Corner. Let's go.
Welcome back to episode 29 of Loaded Sport. It is now time for the debut of Kempe's Combat Corner with special guest Chris Marina. So, Kemp, over to you. Thank you very much, Adam, and I'm, I'm delighted to welcome everybody to <laughs> Kempe's First Combat Corner featuring uh, our, our very special guest this evening, Chris Marina. How are, we Tina, doing? are you looking forward to the fights this weekend? I know me and yourself have briefly discussed the, <laughs> the lack of depth, perhaps, on the card. So what are your thoughts going into this weekend's UFC festivities? We'll start with the UFC. Definitely um, definitely looking forward to the main event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a premium matchup. Two great fighters. Obviously, Volkanovski is looking for the, the two-weight world champ. Mm-hmm. Um, Islam is obviously from that corner of Russia that, well, they just seem to produce fighters at a ridiculous amount mm-hmm. as you said though you know anything past that doesn't really get you too excited does it i mean no you got josh emmett who is 103 <laughs> at least <laughs> yeah all due respect yeah yeah, and yeah don't get me wrong he's on a great run but <clears throat> you know there's there's not much uh, star power after after that one no, you're absolutely right, and that's that's sort of my, my thoughts exactly. Um, am I right in thinking as well that it's for the interim featherweight title? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, right, okay. So you've got an interim featherweight title fight when you've got the featherweight, the undisputed featherweight champion fighting in the main event against a lightweight champion for double champ status. I don't know if you'll agree with me, but it kind of seems like it's, I don't know, forced in there, like they've, they've yeah, put... It's... The interim title on the line purely to maybe draw a little bit more attention to it. Hundred percent, and I think it it begs the question: Why isn't the featherweight champ defending his belt? Well, I suppose he's he's gone it, up to yeah, he's gone up to lightweight. I mean, Yaya Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. Do you look at both? Do you look at either of those and think they're no. ready? No, you no. Know? So no. why you know I, I get why they've done it. Obviously, it's for the promotion, but. You know, I don't think anybody's going to look at the card and think, right, okay, I'm going to buy the pay-per-view purely for the fact that there's an interim title on the line. Yeah, I completely agree. For me, they could have just said, right, let's have Yair and Josh in the co-main event. You know, they're they're fighting just before the featherweight champ fights. You know, regardless of what happens in this fight, you know, in the main event, unless Volkanovski wins and decides to move up to 155, you yeah. know, one of those guys, whoever the, whoever wins it, is, is going to get the next shot regardless. Do you have to put the interim title on the line for that? I don't no. think so. No, he's, so, he's a title eliminator. Yeah, yeah. He, so, he, yeah. He's flashing up. He's flashing mm-hmm. it up to add depth to, to a rather well, non-exciting card. Yeah, no, absolutely opinion. right. Absolutely right. But... Having said that, we, we move now, and I am going to quickly go through the rest of the card. It's so the main card for this evening, for this weekend's festivities, it is in Australia, but it is at normal UFC running time in the UK, which is the main card will start at three AM. So if you're a night owl, you, you might stay up for this one. We've got Jimmy Crute uh, opening the card against Alonzo Minefield. Um, the next fight on the card is Justin Taffer, who whose record is actually quite. Quite funny. It's it's five wins, three losses, no draws, and he's in the main. <laughs> he's on the main card of a uh, of a premium UFC event, and he's fighting a guy called Parker Porter, who looks a little bit like. Do you remember Gilberg from the WWF? <laughs> yes, looks a little bit like Gilberg. So I'm looking forward to that one. But having done a little bit of research on that, apparently they are both. <laughs> A little bit swing heavy, and uh, they are going to both come out swinging. So, you know, if all else fails, we might get a bit of a slugfest, which will be nice. That's, that's it, isn't it? Two, two heavyweight fighters. That's all you can hope for, really. That's it. So we've got in the welterweight division, Jack Della Madalena against Randy Brown. Um, again, neither of those two really 
you know, towards the top end of the welterweight rankings. So it would be a great win for either, you know, try and push themselves into the top echelons. But yeah, it's not it's not a drawing fight, put it that way. No. And then in the co-main event, as we've just discussed, it is Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett for the interim featherweight championship of the world, which leads in to the main event and really the only thing that saves this card from being possibly one of the worst UFC cards <laughs> ever. It's uh, the uh, UFC undisputed lightweight champion of the world. He's just won his lightweight title after beating Charles Dubronx Oliveira in convincing fashion, Islam Makachev versus Alexander the Great, the hometown boy, the Aussie himself, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Now, these fighters, they've got very impressive records. 23 wins, one defeat, zero draws for Islam Makhachev. Only defeat coming from, let's be honest, it was a, a bloody haymaker that he took and uh, just didn't quite recover in time. It was a freak shot, I would say, and, and, yep. and you know anybody's, anybody's susceptible to one of those in the game against Alexander Volkanovsky, who I think is unbeaten in 22 and he's unbeaten in his entire UFC career. Yep. So I'm going to come to you, Tina, before I give my thoughts on this. Who do you see coming away with the belt? I the, I personally think this has got Islam decision just written all over it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think two excellent fighters, but I think obviously the um, the weight advantage, the size advantage of, of Islam all, all allergic to him. I hope he, he's, he's going to live up to his billing and I hope we get a five-round war and it's fantastic and, and everything else. But yeah, I think he'll edge it um, just for those reasons. What about you? Yeah, no, and I, I don't actually think it will be. I, I think the five-round war would be amazing. Of course it would. I don't think it will be. Um, the, the biggest concern I've got, and coming into fight week, you know, I've, ever since the fight was announced, I've always thought Islam Makachev was going to win this fight. Yeah. You know, he cuts a, a significant amount of weight to get down to 155. And bear in mind, Volkanovski is the current 145 champion. You know, these are from two different weight classes. But realistically, if Islam Makachev changed his diet a little bit, could he fight at welterweight? I yeah. think he could quite easily, and I don't think he'd be that undersized. Yeah. So it, there's a massive, massive gulf in, in in weight when they get into the cage. I think it'll be at least 10, 15 pounds when they get into the cage on the night. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, and obviously Islam's extreme superior superiority when it comes to the ground game and, and the grappling, um, yeah. I think it's got an Islam win written all over it. But I was... Trying to make a case for it, Alexander Volkanovsky in my head coming into fight week. <clears throat> Excuse me, but then I watched one of the UFC embedded um, videos where it's basically, if anybody isn't quite quite sure of that, it's sort of a short ten minute YouTube documentary of all the fighters and how they're preparing our fight week for the actual event itself. Yep, and. Um, Volkanovsky, I think he mentioned a few times, either in the countdown, which is like a longer documentary, or in the embedded series, that you know he thinks his wrestling's you know good as well. I think is the way that he, he phrased it, and that's great. But when you yeah. follow Islam Makachev's <laughs> wrestling is good, but mine is good as well, that suggests to me that you think you're on that level, and unfortunately, there are very few people on this planet that are on that level. So, yeah. I don't know. I hope for Volkanovsky's sake, he doesn't think that he can take any chances on the ground. I hope he doesn't think that when he does get taken down, because he will get taken down, it's inevitable that he will get taken down, that he can do something maybe off his back or or try and find, you know, a, a sneaky submission out of somewhere because it's just not going to happen. No, so it's going to end badly. <laughs> it is. So I will go for an 
Islam Makachev, probably third round submission, I think. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was um, a guillotine choke because Brian Ortega got him in a pretty nasty one. And yep. I think Islam Makachev, if he gets him in that, I don't think Islam is going to let go. So that's my prediction for the UFC. I'm now going to quickly, before we move on to the Six Nations, just very, very quickly have a chat about boxing, because this is Kempi's Fight Corner. It's not all about MMA. <laughs> we are going to throw a little bit of boxing in there for you as well. Now, Tina, you are admittedly an Anthony Joshua fan. Um, yep. It was announced a couple of days ago that he will be fighting Jermaine Franklin on April for April the 1st in the O2 Arena. Yep. Um, I think it was the face-off and the press conference today. Just give us your thoughts on on this. Do you think it's a good fight for AJ to come back with? What do you think about the matchmaking and ultimately how it's going to go down? Yeah, I think it is. It's it's a tune up fight, you know. As we discussed the other night, you know, I think he, he has got to rebuild himself. I think ever since the Joseph Parker fight, he's not quite looked himself. Um, he seems to be missing that sort of killer instinct. I used to, you know, don't get me wrong, I love watching him fight. Um, but yeah, I think Jermaine Franklin took Dillian White to a, to a tough decision. You know, he's got a pretty solid record. He's beat some um, some decent fighters along the way. Don't get me wrong, he's not a top name, but I think he's exactly the kind of fight that, that AJ need. I think um, it might play out similar to the um, the Pulev fight. So, you know, I think we'll see a more aggressive AJ, get quite a late stoppage, but he'll give him some trouble along the way. Mm. Um, and, and and I do get why they've done it. Don't get me wrong. You know, taking all my predisposed opinions of boxing away for a second and yep. putting my boxing fan brain on, I can understand why they've done it. It's a short, stocky guy who, you know, took Dillian White to a, a close decision. A lot of people thought that he won that fight. But yep. he's, he's perfect for AJ. You know, AJ can stay on the end of his punches if he wants to. He's not going to get through, you know, he's not going to get past that reach advantage. And at the same time, hopefully AJ can pick up a little bit of momentum and, and really tee off yep. on Franklin and get a convincing knockout so that after the event, everybody's like, yeah, okay, AJ's back. So I can understand why they've done it. But my question to you, and, and this is sort of very, very briefly before we move on, do you not think, and this is me taking my boxing brain out and yep. putting my combat sports brain back on, do you not think it would be, yes, a much higher risk, but a little bit more in a little bit more interesting, a little bit more intriguing if we saw AJ's comeback fight against a, a Dillian White or a Deontay Wilder? And the reason that I say that is because Eddie Hearn, God knows how many times has said, you know, AJ wants the toughest challenges, he's come back and fought U6 straight away, he don't want to hide, he don't want to run. Then let's get then then get get back in. Let's let's get these big fights going straight away. Let's let's do it. What do you not think there's I, any value in that? Or I agree with you to an extent, but I will say one thing. One thing you can never knock AJ for he's dodging a fight. You know he he has took on a lot more challenges than than other fighters have. But yes, okay, we'd like to see the the Dillian White rematch. Definitely, we'd like to see him fight Wilder. Where's the commercial value in it at the minute? Because it's probably at the lowest it's ever been. You know, Dillian White coming off the back of, of losing to Fury um, and obviously just beating Franklin. AJ's had his struggles against Usyk. If he rebuilds himself, makes himself look like a contender again, makes mm. himself look like a danger in the division, the money's there to be had. And that um, that <laughs> Wilder fight is, is potentially a huge, huge mm. financial fight because everybody wants to see it. Mm. Mm. But, but does being Jermaine Franklin getting back to that position, does it? Because, you no, know, after no, of this fight... Not. What I would want to see, even if, you know, even putting my boxing brain back on, yeah. after this fight, what I would want to see is AJ fight somebody 
not Joyce. not Jermaine Franklin's level. I would Jim want Joyce. you know Joe Joyce is is yeah. top of the top of the tree. Yeah. So if if the if we're getting him back to that level, I'd rather him if he if we are going to do that, then I'd rather him fight Franklin, beat Franklin, and then get him in with Wilder, then get him in with White because I think that you mentioned their commercial value. I'm I, I, I I'm sure there's going to be more commercial value in Joshua against Dillian White too, or especially Joshua against Wilder. So I think that that would personally <laughs> be the way to go. But you are right, and I think a fight against Joe Joyce would be very interesting. Just out of yeah. curiosity, before we do move on, if Joe, jo- Joshua should come through this fight against Franklin, yeah. if he does, and if he does fight Joe Joyce next, who do you think wins that fight? Because I think that's a very, very close call. Yeah, I agree. I think without things stand at the minute, I don't think you could look past Joyce. He's mm. he's looked dangerous. He's, he's very methodical. He's mm. slow. But he's powerful and he's got an amazing chin. Mm. The one thing he's got over Joshua clearly is his cardio. Mm. You know, and the Joshua, fundamentals. You know, yeah, he, you look at Joe Joyce, he's not the most interesting and entertaining fighter, but his fundamentals are yeah. absolutely solid. In that fight against Dubois, he just jabbed his face off for eight, yeah. nine rounds and just made him quit. So it would be a very, very interesting fight. Well, thank you very much, uh, Tina, for joining me on Kempi's fight, uh, Kempi's Combat Corner. No week. problem. It's been a pleasure. Um, next, we are going to talk about the Six Nations in the rugby. Welcome back to episode 29 of Loaded Sport. We're now going to move on to start talking about the second week of the Six Nations taking place this weekend, starting with one of the games that a lot of people have seen as uh, the decisive game as to who's going to go on and win the Six Nations. So, Mudge, I'm going to start by talking to you about it. Ireland against France. Um, probably two of the strongest uh, teams in the, in, the, in, the, in the tournament. I think my pick before the tournament started I think I picked France um, just because of their their success from last year uh, yeah I think it's probably it will be the best game of the the weekend and uh, I've got uh, I've got a bit of a um, kind of how would you say it? like a bit of a relationship with the Irish I've got a lot of Irish clients at work so I'm uh, pulling for Ireland to win uh, in the hope that I get more business. But uh, yeah, a heavyweight battle and um, yeah, hoping Ireland uh, do do France over. Yeah, that's followed up a couple of hours later by Scotland against Wales. Um, Scotland won quite convincingly in their first game. Wales, the exact opposite. Yeah, I think Scotland benefited from England's England obviously have Borthwick, who's um, you know a brand new head coach for them. I think they're still getting used to it. Scotland played their hearts out, to be fair. I think you would consider last weekend's result a shock. Um, yeah, I think uh, they've got a, a good chance against the Welsh. The Welsh played hard against Ireland, but they looked second best throughout the whole game. Um, yeah, I mean, if I had to choose out the two, I'd probably edge it towards Wales, just because of history and... Uh, yeah, just you know, Scotland beating England is that is that a one-off? Are they going to back it up? I'm not sure they do. So I'd I'd edge it to to Wales in in that matchup. Right, and then on Sunday, the final game of the weekend, England against Italy, the two sides that both have a point on the board already. England, of course, heading into the tournament under new management, didn't start how they'd have liked against Scotland. Can you see this maybe being a turnaround for England? I think they have to, to be honest. Italy are the uh, the joke of the tournament. 
Uh, they've always been the joke for pretty much the start of it since its inception. Italy played really well against uh, France last week. I think France obviously managed to nab it from them in the 60th minute um, and managed to hold on. But Italy played with heart. I think a lot of pressure falls on England in terms of the style that they play, the way that they play. Obviously, like I mentioned, Borthwick's just come in. He's got to kind of put his uh, stamp on the, on the game. I think they've got to blow Italy out to kind of give uh, the fans hope that they've actually got a chance still in the, in the Six Nations. And especially with it being Rugby World Cup year, you really need to see um, you really need to see England um, be consistent. Otherwise, it could be a short tournament for them in uh, in France uh, later this year as well. And I know last week when we put our predictions forward to to who we thought was going to win the Six Nations, you weren't with us at the time, but you did get in touch um, on the Loaded Sport uh, community page. So thank you for that. Just a quick one to yourself. You uh, was it um, France you went for on there? Yeah, I think my initial, yeah. I think my initial pick was France, mate, because it was it was France to win it, Ireland make it difficult, and England are cheeks. I think was your exact comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's gone that way, isn't it so far? Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah. It's, it's after after week one, I would probably, if you were to ask me to choose again, I I wouldn't change my answer, but I'd be really strongly inclined to go for Ireland. If I had to, because I mean they look really good, um, and I think they're they're heavy favourites for the Rugby World Cup coming up as well. So I think they're looking to start the year off strong with a Six Nations uh, with a Six Nations dub. But I will stick yeah. with France. I will stick with France. Um, and yeah, England are cheeks, but they've got to turn it round. <laughs> well, it, it probably comes down to this game between Ireland and France as to who's going to win it. I've not yeah. seen anybody pick anyone other than Ireland or France is in Dublin. Ireland are the favourites. However, France have won um, against Ireland in the last three Six Nations. So they have got the the sort of recent head-to-head record against them. So, yeah, you would assume that whoever wins this game on on Saturday would go on to win the tournament and probably give themselves a lot of confidence going into that World Cup in September. But, yeah, yeah, I I can't really see... I think sorry, sorry to cut you off there. I think with Ireland, um, a lot, a lot of this went under radar, but their autumn fixture run-up um, was quite pivotal for them. I think for their form because they beat South Africa um, at home. I think they got a really positive result against the All Blacks as well. Um, so I mean, they've they've come in really firing on all cylinders, and uh, yeah, I think I agree with you. This will be the decider. I think. If I'm honest, that's what makes the Six Nations quite one-dimensional is the fact that there are more or less either two really good teams battling it out, two mid-teams, and then two really bum teams. Yeah, um, I was just about to ask you that because, yes, it's the Six Nations. There's six teams involved. It's not a huge tournament in terms of amount of games, but when it's round two and you're kind of saying, well, whoever wins this game is winning the tournament, Yeah, like, it's it kind of takes the prestige away from it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know whether you think the same as a you know as a bit more of a rugby fan, but I think um, so. I think the Six Nations is quite a generational thing. So you've got um, the generation that obviously grew up watching rugby, who just love it to to kind of you know to bits. I think if I'm honest, I see the Six Nations kind of dying out with the newer generation kind of growing up watching it. I, I think the not saying rugby isn't popular at all. 
I just think um, the atmosphere and the, the fans that watch it right now are quite what you'd call a senior generation. So um, unless they change the format and make it maybe a bit more uh, attractive to the younger audience, um, yeah, I kind of see it dwindling out a little bit. I will say this, as a, as a I wouldn't call myself a diehard rugby fan, but I do watch the sport. I think the Rugby World Cup setup is phenomenal. I think it's yeah. so engaging. It's just, it's exactly like, I mean, it is the football version of the, the World Cup, isn't it? Like, it's just an unbelievable tournament setup. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, uh, I think for, for like like we said, the Six Nations setup needs to change. I think maybe get more people, more countries involved. Otherwise, I think it, yeah, it just becomes a bit stagnant uh, at some point. Surely from, and again, this is from a, you know, you mentioned there that you're not a ridiculously rugby, rugby massive fan, but you do follow the sport. Me, from a, you know, an outsider's perspective, it seems strange to France, Italy, fair enough. But, you know, does Spain not have a rugby team? I don't know how big rugby is in those sort of countries. I don't know. But, you know, bringing Australia, New Zealand, the other type of rugby teams, West, I don't know if West Indies have got a rugby team, but... You went random as fuck well, there. Cricket, yeah, don't yeah, they? So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, my, that's my logic. That's how much I, I don't know. Are you just picking random teams from Brian Lara's cricket from that year? Yeah. (laughs) What a fucking game, by the way. That's not not moving on from that without giving it. It is a solid game. But you can't bring (laughs) South Africa and New Zealand and Australia into it, I don't think. So could you do, let's say, for example, another couple of European teams who maybe aren't very good and get eight teams involved and then do like a bracket format? Do you think that would work or do you think that would sort of fall on its arse as well? I I would say... I don't want to offend any of the diehard rugby fans that are listening. From my understanding, the Six Nations comes from a deep history, like right. in terms of its inception. So I think obviously those Six Nations were probably part of, I don't know, maybe being the co-founding nations to play rugby. So mm. I mean, it, I, that's what I'm saying. He started as the Five Nations, to be fair. Yeah, um, but, until yeah. 2000, 2000, something like that. Yeah. So like I said, I don't exactly know the ins and outs of it so uh, while i think that they definitely need to change the format it also i th- i think will prove difficult to do so because of uh the deep history behind it yeah okay okay so what do you think then if if the the six nations does sort of fall by the wayside as you mentioned there if it does and there's no guarantee that it will what do you think they could bring in as maybe a bit of a replacement for it that would keep the home nations fans engaged and that would keep the international rugby fans entertained while there's not a World Cup on? Because clearly there's not a problem with the Rugby World Cup. That does draw quite a lot of attention. And to be fair, like I say, I'm not a rugby fan, but I will watch the Rugby World Cup. So what do you think they could potentially replace that with? What do you think is a viable alternative for the Six Nations? So so I think, like I said, I think at, the, at this moment in time, they're still... The, the sport is still very popular and I think it's because of a generational thing so I won't put uh, well I will put a number on it I think from pretty much your, your 35 year olds maybe like your your 56 year olds at this moment in time who have grow, grown up with the sport and just die hard rugby fans I'm just kind of foreseeing and forecasting 20 years down the line I don't see rugby being as popular as it is right now and I think that's obviously because of a like generational thing you know for me for example I watch it because my partner is heavily involved in it. If she wasn't, I mean, I'd watch it a little bit, but 
yeah, I, I wouldn't really give too too much of a uh, of a fuck about it, to put it lightly. But at the same time, I do respect that it's uh, I do respect it's uh, it's a uh, it's an exciting sport for for others. But for me, it's one of the reasons I love the NFL. I just saw a different alternative to it and uh, a much more tactical approach. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, what was your question again? <laughs> I was saying, what would it be replaced by? So if the I, Six Nations yeah. were to fall by the wayside, like I say, you can't just have the Rugby World Cup on its own because then you'd, you'd probably be waiting quite a while for there to be the next thing to watch as a rugby fan. So what what would you replace it with? Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure because I think in terms of the nations that play it, there are a select few that are considered elite. So off the top of my head, South Africa, Ireland, uh, Australia, England, West Indies. West Indies, yeah, can't forget them. Um, I, th- I think it'd be very obviously the, the way they try and it is very difficult for, for example, like a, in England to go to New Zealand for a weekend and then come back, or for the Australians to come back for a weekend and then go. Um, so I'd say every two years, if they did a tournament with all the nations involved, that wasn't a World Cup, it was a slightly smaller format. So the elite, maybe, you know, 24 would play it out or the elite 12 would play it out. Mm. Um, and then they'd have a winner every two years. And then obviously with the Rugby World Cup, do it at a bigger scale. Yeah, I so think, like the Euros then. So like the Euros in exactly, football. Yeah. You bring I, in I a smaller... Format, yeah. yeah, I think that <laughs> okay. would definitely keep it going. I think with the rugby, they, they try and keep momentum going by obviously doing the autumns. But to be honest, they're, they're, they're friendly games. Like, there's only so much you can kind of get invested into it considering mm. it's not really a fully competitive game and you're not playing for anything except mm. for kind of the bragging rights. So, uh, yeah, I do think uh, if I think rugby have a chance to kind of commercialise themselves uh, a bit more with changing the, the formats of uh, their existing tournaments. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Lads, thank you very much for your insight. I look forward to seeing just what happens on this weekend's Six Nations. In just a few moments' time, we'll be back to speak about the second week of the Darts Premier League. Welcome back to episode 29 of Loaded Sport. We're now entering into the second week of the Darts Premier League skin. It's uh, looking to be another big week. Always is, mate. It's always a big week in the Premier League, as Kemp will attest to. Uh, This week, it heads to Cardiff. So I have no doubt that for once, Gerwin Price will be in Bret Hart country. Come on, Gerwin. Come on, Gerwin. uh, as as you called him the heel of darts when you when you backed him in last week's preview, he'll he'll very much be the uh, the hometown hero in the uh, and get the biggest pop of the night uh, this week. So he faces Chris Doby, so a great matchup that it'll be second to last on for the for the quarterfinals. Chris Doby, as we know, won last week in Belfast, kicking off the Premier League darts um, tournament with a win off the back of his Masters win as well just a few days earlier. So that's a really, really brilliant match and a, a great hostile environment for Doby to go into with everyone in that arena going to be on Price's side. Uh, also, Michael Smith against Johnny Clayton, Nathan Aspinall against Peter Wright and Michael Van Gerwen against Dimitri van der Beer closing off the quarterfinal matches. So 
pretty good lineup, which you're always going to get in the Premier League with the type of tournament that it is. Who would I back to win week two or night two, whatever you want to call it? I, I think I would purely have to lean on Gerwin Price because we, we know what he's like with the crowd. We know how he likes to celebrate and and I think him having that that support and everyone being right behind him, which, as we know, doesn't happen very often at all, I think he'll thrive on that. And, yeah, I can see uh, can see Gerwin Price coming out the, the winner of night two, which Kent will, uh, will do you a right job with your pre-tournament prediction of him winning the whole thing. It will, and it, it backs me up in the sense that, you know, I, I said he's a real form player, he's a real momentum player. And I think the Premier League format, like I've said before, suits him in that respect because I, I sort of either think that Gerwin Price going forward for the rest of the tournament will either get A, get knocked out in the quarterfinal or, or B, go on to win the whole thing on the night. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the hometown boy can uh, can get it done. Like you say, he's got Chris Doby in the first leg and that, that's, you know, in the first, uh, first game. That's going to be a, a tough one for him to get past, but then uh, I, I back him to go in, go in all the way. So as as Dawson's just mentioned there, we do record on a Thursday to to release on the Friday. The Premier League of Darts is on a Thursday night, so by the time we've recorded this episode and it is all released, then uh, that then all the results will be out. So I'm sure we will re- revisit that on uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. And it, you're probably looking at a prize Van Gogh in semi final. And then a Smith and then Aspinall Wright, maybe a Peter Wright-Smith uh, semi-final. So, yeah, I think, yeah, the crowd in Cardiff for him for, for a great night of darts. So, yeah, price against Dobie is brilliant. Price against, you would just, well, you assume price against a Van Gogh and that's a great match for them as well. But, mm. yeah. My money's on price. What about you for the for the night? Are you going to back him, or are you not too? Yeah, sure? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to back him. I think it's the the semi final. I think is where the, the 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 banana skin comes because if Michael Van Gerwen does get past Van der Berg, then Van Gerwen's always a beast. It's <laughs> it's never an easy game when you play Michael Van Gerwen. So I think that will be the the toughie. Um, but if he got through that, I, I, I do see him winning in the final, like you say, either against Smith, Aspinall, Peter Wright or uh, Johnny Clayton, I think it is on that side of the bracket. So it'll be interesting, but we'll uh, we'll see uh, we'll see who wins on the night. But I'm backing my boy, as I always do. Yeah, can, can I can I can I chime yeah. in as a yeah. non darts watcher? Um yeah. don't look don't um loaded sport have a claim to fame with obviously one of your beloved members, Sam White. His uh, father met Van Gogh in <laughs> It's such a shame that Sam oh, uh, is no. with us for this. I tell you what, everybody, everybody listening right now, make sure you stay tuned to the next episode that Sam White will be on, and we will make sure that it is well known <laughs> on our social media pages because we will get Sam to relive the night that his, his yeah. father ran into Michael Van Gerwen in oh, Blackpool of all places. So yeah, uh, absolutely thank brilliant. you for reminding us. About yeah, that. It's a great story. They'll I'm be sure the listeners will, will love that story when it does come around. Absolutely. Well, I suppose that's uh, everything covered for night two of the Premier League of Darts. So again, we will be back very shortly to get stuck into this weekend's football action. Welcome back to episode 29 of Loaded Sport. It's now time for the listener lock-in. Welcoming the sixth person to have an attempt at it, Tina. Hello. Hello. How are you? 
Very good, thank you. Are you uh, looking forward to, are you confident to beat the high score that's currently set at two? Um, yeah, to be fair, mate, it's not, there's not been a high bar set, has there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's tough. The questions are tough, you know, there's a lot of correct scores and everything in there. I get that, but fucking hell, I'd shape it up. Bit of luck needs to go your way, doesn't it? But <laughs> yeah. when uh, when it comes to luck scores and wild cards, and we're letting people go first, and we're still well over double their success rate, that that tells you everything. You need to do a bit of research, a little bit of knowledge, and more importantly, a little bit of luck in there just to uh, help you over the line, mate. But it should be a good you attempt this week. Know your shit clearly. Yeah, apparently so. Apparently yeah, so. But we'll do. see three how this goes. Three of us do anyway. Yeah, yeah. Saying, you guys know what you're doing, don't you? At the very least, Tina, tell us who it is that you support and why. So I'm a Derby fan. Up um, the Rams. Up the fucking Rams <laughs> then. So actually, as a, as a lad, when I was in primary school, I, I more followed Newcastle because I fucking loved Alan Shearer. He was my hero growing up. It's, as I got like a little bit older and wanted to go and watch live football, Derby was the the obvious answer. I never um, yeah, he, a, Newcastle would have been probably from when I was about five to about nine. I used to have all the fucking all the kits and everything. I just I. Absolutely love Shearer, mate. You weren't kid um, that did fancy dresses, Les Ferdinand, were you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I weren't. You mate. can, you can groan all you want, mate. That's the most innocent thing. There were no races involved. There. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was, was, was the was, most. Was he was so it happy was to go innocent. to school dressed as a hero. Wrong about that. He was. Yeah, no. Well, sorry, sorry, can you not remember the kid who got uh, dressed up as a lad Jew as well, complete with a little fucking Mohican? That was brilliant. But did he go with a wobbly leg as well? <laughs> but, but no, it was when when I started to get like nine, ten, and I wanted to go see live matches. You know, I weren't going to fucking go to Newcastle every week, so started going to Derby. Um, Even if you did go to Newcastle every week, you'd be in bed by nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I'm well rested, mate. Yeah, some <laughs> water up there. <laughs> so you carry on, Tina. So um, yeah, ever since then, mate. You know, Derby is is man and boy. Fair one, fair one. Obviously, a lot of we, we had the conversation last week with Malloy, who joined us and was a Derby fan. But uh, one, one thing that I mentioned to him was a lot of concerning conversations over the summer, mainly between you and Sam, about what was happening with the club and the whole Kirchner thing and where you're going to get bought and who were you, get, you were going to get bought by and what did this season mean. I know a lot of the conversations between you two were let's just survive League One this yep. year, let's just do that. We've we've got a buyer. That's really good. That's that's the main thing. Let's just survive and then build on that. But the the form recently, over especially over the last twelve to fifteen games, what can you see first? Let's say the short term, say the next eighteen months to two years of Derby County. Where where can you see I, them getting to? I think we'll stabilise again as a Championship club. You know, one he's coming. He's got a vision for how he wants the team to play. He wants them to play attractive football, play out from the back. Um, most importantly, the one thing Rosinia lacked that one he's got, he has got a plan B. Um, so when things are going wrong, he's got a couple of tweaks. So I, I generally, at this point, I think we're going to go up now this year. I think we've got too much yeah. momentum. Ipswich are slipping off, Plymouth are slipping a bit. I think we're going to do it. And then over the next couple of years, yeah, I think, you know, we'll stabilize in the championship. <laughs> um, perhaps then look for another buyer that can take us to the next level. But the most important thing, mate, is we've still got a fucking club, you know. The, yeah. The, the feeling on, I mean, me, Sam and Ken went to the opening day. The fucking, it was so emotional. It run real, you know. I've not felt like that about football for a long time. And in a way, it, it was a positive thing for me because it got me back into football and it got me caring again. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I can remember you saying how emotional it was on that day. Just that mm. feeling of we're, we're still here. Yeah. It's probably uh, after everything that happened and all the shit that did happen, that was probably the moment where it truly sunk in. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I can imagine. Aggie, I'll, uh, I'll let you crack on, mate, with getting us into the main event, which is the, the locks and other stuff for the weekend. Yes, so uh, Tina, as the guest, you get to go first. So we're looking, first of all, for the team that you are most confident in getting a win from any of the games between Saturday and Sunday. So, yeah, it is a bit thin on the ground this week, but I've picked Arsenal to beat Brentford. Ooh, interesting. Brentford, one of the informed teams. Arsenal just lost to Everton. What's your thoughts behind that as, as a lock? They are still top of the league and they're there on merit. You know, um, the Everton game—it's the new manager effect. I'm quite happy to ride it off. They're they're at home as well, and I think it was a minor blip in what will ultimately be a, a title-winning season. So, again, thin on the ground. If there were more fixtures about, I probably would have a look for something else. But there wasn't anything else that jumped out to me as like, right, this is a, a must-pick. Fair enough. Fair enough. Aggie, Fair enough. what's the wheel saying? It's um, a big wheel this week. We've got is, full yeah. squad on. Um, the the first name out. Is Sam? Oh, he's come in at last second and stole it, hasn't he? Uh, right, I am gonna go for Burnley to beat Preston at home in the nice. in the Championship. I haven't done much research because I wasn't even supposed to be on tonight until about fifteen minutes ago. So yeah, Burnley to beat Preston at home. Up next, brutal. I've only got a couple of backups because I didn't expect Sam and Mudge to be in, so I've got a feeling I'm just going to have to scramble and end up picking an away game anyway. Um, up next, Skin. Standard. Skin. I, I will go with my first choice pick then. I had four prepped for some reason, but I'll go with my top pick, and that is Barnsley. Um, on on the C-word list, the cunt list for Kent, after letting him down when we were at Donny Down one time. Um, so time to Guinness to cheer me up, though. Well, mate, the Christmas, <laughs> but they're at home to Cambridge United this season. They've won, what, seven out of the, oh, sorry, six out of the last seven home games. They're playing really well. Cambridge, not so much. They've they've lost five out of the last seven away games. They haven't won away in eight. Um, and yeah, Barnsley aren't in the greatest of forms. They're currently 14th in the league form table, but Cambridge in the last five have only got two points. They've scored three and conceded 13. So for me, the perfect game for Barnsley to get back on track in that uh, League One playoff race. Good shout. Kemp, up next. Oh, baby. Thank God for that because I was quickly running out of luck. <laughs> so um, I went to the Sheffield United and Wrexham game over the uh, earlier on in the week where Sheffield United came out at 3-1 winners against Wrexham in the FA Cup. But despite all the shithousery by the Wrexham social media pages and the fans before the game, I thought they played absolutely brilliantly well. Um, I think they are a very, very strong side and it boggles my mind as to how they're not quite a few points clear at the top of the league. Notts County are doing a tremendous job. But my lock of the week on the back of that is going to be Wrexham at home against Wheelstone. Um you don't what, think what there'll more? be a bit of a bit of a hangover, big trip, not a lot of energy all. into it. Not at all. I think I think if anything, it'll it'll give them a bit of a bounce because up until the last four minutes of the game, we were we were going to penalties. So over two legs, they were very competitive against the team that's you know not in our best form at the moment, but we're second in the championship regardless. 
Um, and then that you know that they're fantastic at home. You know they near, very nearly got a win against Sheffield United at home. The crowd are right behind them, and there's a very good feeling and a, and a can-do spirit I think around Wrexham at the moment. So, yeah, they're, they're very very strong favourites against a, 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 a languishing Wealdstone. And uh, I would want some? them to get a comfortable win. I do want some. <laughs> I want a lock of the week, and that's what hopefully this will be. There we go, Aggie. Hey. Are you last again, mate, or have you scraped it at the death? I'm last again, which means oh Mudge, God. please don't take my final lock. We'll we'll hate you. I'm not going to lie, mate. I think I'm in a similar situation to you. I've just listened to everyone. <laughs> their, uh, their pick of the pie. Um, so would you like my lock of the week first? Yes, please. Yes. Okay, so my lock of the week is going to be Eddie Howe's Newcastle to beat Bournemouth uh, away. Um, I think Bournemouth are going to be up for it. They want to kind of uh, I don't know how it ended between them, but obviously it'd be nice to get one over your old gaffer. I think Newcastle need to bounce back from a really poor um, 1-1 draw with West Ham. That cost me 600 quid, but we won't talk about that. Um, but yeah, I've got Eddie Howe's Newcastle to beat Bournemouth. Thoughts on him picking an away team, lads? Mm, Dangerous, but I like it. I know, I want to go, out, I wanna go a bit age. out there. I want to go a bit out there. We call it the Aggie. Aggie, go on, mate. Uh, is he take? I'm going to assume because they're away, you do seem like you were determined to pick a home team this week. So I'm going to guess that your remaining pick is still available. You're right. My remaining, remaining pick is still available, and I'm going to be boring, and I'm going to go Man City to win it. Yeah, out had to be. I'm surprised they still stayed there this long, to be honest. Yeah, my first choice. Don't was trust Burnley, them at the minute. City at the moment, they they need to bounce back from something. They're in danger of having a lot of turmoil. They've got a lot going on behind the scenes as well, so they really need to get points back on the board just to try and keep the fans happy at the moment. And I think yep. Aston Villa has a great chance to do that. I like That's it, mate. It's a good pick I, from you, I, that. It's a good pick, but I th- it's very safe, isn't it? I feel like the whole. Oh, point but is- he needs it. We make yeah, yeah, wait it, until Sam picks Erling Ireland next. <laughs> we've we've got on him so much for picking away games. So <laughs> you I'm, know what? A, a lock, a lock of one. the week being being too safe. That's never a bad thing. No, a lock of the week. No, so to the head. What's the definition? Yeah, what can you guarantee you think is going to happen? And for once in his miserable life, Adam Marsden <laughs> oh, has gone yeah. for an actual lock. So I hope you're ready to well celebrate done, when he gets well it right. <laughs> well done, Adam, mate. Well done. Thank you. Uh, right, oh. Tina, um, over yes. to you for the goal scorer. There is only one for me. It's Erling Holland. Get scrambling. It's Aston Villa and it's Erling Haaland. He's hit. A rough patch for him. He's not scored for a game or two, so he he's should have to wait all season. So he's back where he needs to be to put the ball in the back. He of that, will probably score four. So uh, yeah. I say all season, all year. Sorry, should I say? Yeah, he, he's a tremendous striker, and um, I think he, I think he's going to bag easy. I think that's a, a safe bet. Uh, so going in the uh, snake format means I get to go first for the scorer, and I'm going to go back to somebody that won it for me. A couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to go for Derek Henry, Jerick McKinnon, Tuba <laughs> uh, Akpom, Charlie um, Austin, Middlesbrough third in the championship. You know, back to him again against uh, Akpom, 21st place Cardiff City. I think he, I think he got two last week as well. So uh, I'm going. He for did this week. Yeah, why not, mate? Like you said, he won it for you a couple of weeks ago. To, so stick to what you know in the attempt of having a good week. So don't blame me, mate. Right, uh, Mudge, you're next. Um. Oh, it's an interesting one because I'm going to way too out there, but I'm, I, I, I think Rashford is on fire to a point where I think he scored in every game 
since he's returned from the World Cup. Am I wrong or am I right on that? No, he's, uh, not, he's had a couple where he's not scored. He's had a couple, right. He scored 11 in 13. Jesus Christ. I've got Which a back I triple captained him in fantasy. I believe in the boy. Six minutes against France in that quarterfinal game is atrocious. <sighs> Never forget. Yeah, give me Mark. Fair enough. He bagged against Leeds on Wednesday night, didn't he? And they're going to Ellen Road for the return trip. So uh, I'm sure Eric Ten Hag will be very, very adamant that he wants him to go and not be as uh, slow to start in both halves as they were in that midweek fixture. So fair enough. Kemp, over to you. Yeah, I'm going to go with Eddie and Katia. This weekend, I think. Oh, he was my backup. Uh, as we mentioned, Brentford are uh, giving a fantastic account of themselves, but you know Arsenal have had a couple of losses in a row, one in the cup against Man City, and then obviously the new manager bounce of of Mr. Sean Dyche uh, to to give them their second defeat, I think, of the Premier League season so far. So, yeah, I think they will bounce back. I wasn't confident enough with a to put them down as my lock, but I I, I will quite comfortably say that. Eddie Nketiah is my scorer of the week. He's been in a little bit of a down patch and I expect him to hopefully for him return to a little bit of goal scoring form. Nice. Uh, Skin? He was my backup mate there, so good pick. Um, I'll take my first choice then. I'll keep it short. I'm going to Kemp's lock, which is Wrexham. I'm going Paul Mullen. He's absolute fire. He's phenomenal at home. He scored at midweek. I've got him to score again at the weekend. And if you don't make it as a professional footballer, it can always be a good 10-metre diver at the Olympics. There you <laughs> go. Don't be blue, Peter. <laughs> right, uh, Sam. Say. <laughs> Was it me? Um, so I have gone for a similar reason to what Mudge mentioned with the return of Eddie Howe to Bournemouth. However, he's not the only person that's returning to them, is it? Callum Wilson, oh, the striker. Oh. I am backing Callum Wilson to score against his former club, and I do think Newcastle will do him as well. So I think it's a good pick from Mudge, and I think Wilson will be the one to score. I like that. Yeah. So uh, Tina, your yes. wild card. So uh, the team yes. you think is most likely to cause an upset? Sheffield Wednesday away at Ipswich. <laughs> they, they were back up number one. The the Owls are obviously in tremendous form, and. Also, we are now only two points behind with Ipswich with a game in hand, which means if we win this weekend and Wednesday win, we move into third. So I'm fucking willing it into existence. Come on, that's like it. It. that was that was backup number one for me out of, out of my two backups. So uh, yeah, fair pick there. Okay, Sam, you start first. Yeah, so I am going to go against Tina's lock and I'm going for Brentford to beat Arsenal as my wild card. That was one of the reasons why I audible gasped when he first mentioned it because I've seen that. I think Brentford, where are they? Uh, They're unbeaten unbeaten in the last five, won four out of the last five. And I just think... Top of the form table, aren't they, at the minute? Yeah, I think it's it's prime for an upset that game. So, uh, yeah, why not? Skin. Yeah, why not? Why not fest indeed? Well, thankfully, that means that my very first choice for the uh, wild card is still available. And I am going to go against the team yet again that I went against in the wild card last week. And that is Norwich. And I'm going to take Bristol City to beat them this weekend. Uh, Bristol City are in fantastic form. They've won four out of the last five. They're not lost in about nine. And Norwich have lost three out of the last five. But somehow, yes, again, go into them weekend fixture as the bookies favourite so I'm going to take Bristol City as my wild card Nice, nice. Uh, Kemp 
I am going to go with Millwall, who are away against QPR. Um, QPR are in a, in a torrid uh, run of form at the moment. I don't think they've won in eight, I think it is now, eight or nine. So, yeah, a really, really difficult uh, patch for QPR at the moment. And Millwall, to be fair, not, not doing too bad. Um, they're in eighth place. They're having an OK season. Um, beat Cardiff not so long ago and a respectable draw against Sunderland um, and, and only matches they've lost in very recent history are against Sheffield United and Middlesbrough who are you know, Sheffield United was in the cup and Middlesbrough are really pushing pushing on. So Millwall away at QPR is my wild card of the week. Oh, nice one. Cheers, mate. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mudge? Um, will you give me Brighton versus Crystal Palace away? Depends what uh, the odds say. No, Brighton are favourites. Are they? Right. Yes. Um, the the uh, definition of the wild card is it, if they're not the bookies' favourites. Yeah. Yeah, but... Brighton are Evans' favourites for that one. I will, go for, I will go for Everton to beat Liverpool at home then. I'll go really right. Can't, can't have it. It's Monday night. What have I got to go for then? Between Friday and Sunday. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Ag, if you go for yours uh, and then come back to me, please. I'm sure I will have one. No problem. I'm going to go for West Ham to beat Chelsea. Oh, talk to me. Uh, West Ham have lost just one in their last six. They're starting to turn form around a little. And Chelsea, I think, are quite poor. And with it being Derby Day, anything can happen, really, can't it? Quite a big game for Declan Chelsea. Declan Rice will fancy it, won't he? Yeah, they'll, they'll be up for it. Um, last couple of games, of course, they got that 1-1 draw with Newcastle. They beat um, Everton before that. That'll have given them a little bit of an extra boost, of course, as well to, to kind of uh, add to their survival hopes. So uh, as a wild card, I think it's a good shout to go West Ham to beat Chelsea. Why not, mate? Why not? Much? Much? I will go for... Oh, all right. I'm going to go rogue. I'll go Leicester to beat Tottenham. Um, like just... it. The reason um, for this is because I have run out of time. Um, <laughs> I would just hope that Spurs have a capitulation on the field and Leicester do them. I think the Leicester, first time would it? Spurs no. had a good. Spurs obviously had a really good result against City uh, with Kane scoring this two hundredth goal, but they they've not been that consistent this season. So I, am I confident at them nabbing an away win at Leicester? Uh, I'd say no to that. So give me Leicester versus Spurs. Okay, uh, that's uh, the locks in from us then. So for the second part of the uh, listener lock-in, Skin. Aye, aye, aye. Yes, Tina, mate. So we've got your lock, we've got your score, we've got your wild card, and the, the same few as every one of our guests so far and that will be coming on between now and the end of the season. Yep. We need three score predictions to complete your potential score out of six. And the first one, as always, is the game in which your team that you support is playing. So that is Wickham versus Derby. 3 0. Mighty Rams. Holy shit. We're going to fucking prompt it, Sword. Reckon. Oh, mate. They were one of the two clubs that obviously tried to give us the most shit while we were going under. So I think, yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Big time. Turn up, cause chaos, it. leave. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> fuck them, indeed. I like it. The uh, the second game, mate, is uh, involving the team that you've gone yep. for your wild card. So we've got a bit of a spoiler as to which way you're leaning but Ipswich versus Sheffield Wednesday what's your score for that? 2-1 Wednesday Okay, interesting You're, that, That's that's a big weekend for Derby that if they win 3-0 and Sheffield Wednesday win 2-1 Yeah, it's a make-up for wedding wasn't it? 
Yeah. Yep, dog. You're right. Yeah, right. At Niall Morley, um, copyrighted, <laughs> protected. Shit. Said full name. Um, <laughs> and the third and final game to come, well, to complete the six is the return fixture from the midweek game: Leeds yep. versus Manchester United. Two-two midweek at Old Trafford. What have you got for the uh, for the fixture at Ellen Road? I think United's quality shines through this time. I think it's three-one. Which United? Uh, Manu. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think it's three-one. Um, Ten Hag's doing obviously a sensational job. The squad lacks a little bit of depth. I think that that's what's come through the other night. But I think they'll do them. Yeah, interesting. So to complete the six, then uh, you've got Arsenal as your lock, Erling Haaland as your scorer, Sheffield Wednesday as your wild card. Derby to beat Wickham 3-0, Sheffield Wednesday to beat Ipswich 2-1, and Manchester United, men, Aggie then, Manchester (laughs) United to beat Leeds United 3-1. So, as always, we will review that alongside everything else that happens over the weekend, early next week in our review show. I do wish you the best of luck because people are struggling at the moment. I'm, as always, very excited to see how, uh, how this plays off. Aggie, do you want to take it home, my friend? Yes, uh, that is all we've got for this week. So, lads, Tina, Mudge, thanks for joining us as the guests and, of course, to discuss uh, your beloved Eagles in the Super Bowl. Hopefully, uh, when we review it next week, it'll be all uh, all good news and fly, Eagles, fly. Get us in that fucking den. Oh, we're buzzing for Pizza Land Order, lads. Yeah, I was buzzing for Pizza Land Order. Uh, Sam, I know you've been a bit under the weather, mate. So thank you very much for making the effort to uh, to join us, and I hope you feel better soon. Thank you you so much, Sam. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Try to be a bit more sincere this time, mate. (laughs) You you have just ruined his weekend, to be fair. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's very true, mate. Fly eagles fly right into a jet propeller. I'll tell you what, lads. Tell you what. uh, This uh, people will be listening to this on Friday. Um, Sunday we're playing the American football together like I said we're getting in the den for lots of food lots of action and hopefully a great Super Bowl and if that isn't enough to get us all through Saturday I don't know what is but uh, we'll be back early next week love you all have a good one <laughs>